Welcome. I'm glad you guys are here. It's a special day. It's a beautiful day. And uh, I'm excited because we get to see some baptisms. Are you guys excited for this? Amen. Yeah. It's going to be a great time, man. And, and God does amazing things. And when people profess their faith, I love seeing it. And baptisms are especially really cool because people remember their baptism story. You know what I mean? They remember where they were at. They remember when it happened. Like... I remember my baptisms. I say that plural because I was baptized several times as a kid. Uh, Mom always makes fun of me because every time someone at church was getting baptized, I was always like running to the creek because I was like, I need to get baptized too. And, you know, God just knew I needed a couple extra dunks, you know. So, um, so but I did it a lot, man. I was always jumping in there saying I need to baptize. But I remember each time was special. You know, it was a, it was a special moment. And I remember the creek where we were at. I remember, you know, the spot. I remember the people who baptized me. And you just, you remember these things. And even as family, you know, witnessing baptisms of a lot of the youth group and a lot of you guys here have had the pleasure of baptizing, a lot, helping baptize a lot of you guys. And it's a special moment that we remember. And I remember the coldest one that Ben and I did, that I did with Ben. Uh, he probably did some colder ones, but we were just right down the creek here a little bit and i mean it was crazy cold <laughs> i mean it was ice ice cold man it was a wild time but you remember those things and they stick with you so it's a special day i'm excited for you guys to get to be doing that and to be a part of it and be here doing these things it's a special time today we're going to jump into a new sermon series entitled ruth's truths and if you really want a tongue twister try to say that 10 times fast um, Ruth's truths, Ruth's truths, however you want to say it, it's really hard. Um, so we're going to talk about the book, not necessarily the entire book of Ruth, but we're going to be kind of diving in um, to some truths out of the book of Ruth. But to set up the whole story and how it goes, I do want to just speak about the first chapter of Ruth, and we'll read that together. But during this time, you know, Ruth is only a four-chapter book in the Bible. It's right between the books of Judges and Samuel in your Old Testament. And if you read through it, it'll take you probably around 25 to 30 minutes at a leisurely pace. Sorry, I keep blinding you. Um, at a leisurely pace um, to read through the entire book. So I encourage you during this next three weeks to read through the book of Ruth as many times as you possibly can. Because it is a story that is sad, but it's also a story that is faith-bolstering. It is encouraging. It will, you know, really strengthen your faith. It will give you hope. And it will do a lot of really cool things. And I encourage you to read it at least once a week during this next three weeks. You will find that it's a great, great story. And the story of Ruth and the book of Ruth is for a lot of different people. It's for people who wonder where God is in times of chaos, in times of really, really bad times when you feel like, man, where could God be in all this mess? You know, it's a time, it's for those people who wonder that. Where's God at in this time? It's for people who wonder whether it's important to be in a person of integrity in this time. You know, whether that's important or not. Sometimes it's easier just to go with the flow rather than be different all the time and be set apart. But to be a person of integrity is very important in today's day and age. And if you're ever a person that wondered, well, maybe it's not that important. Maybe I should just go along with everybody else. Well, this book's for you too. 
And this is also, more importantly, I believe it's a story for people who believe that good things can't come from bad situations. Because for a lot of us, we've all probably, if you've lived life long enough, you've gone through pretty terrible situations in your life. We've all been through times where it's unsure, where we don't know exactly what God has planned. We can't see the outcome, and we have no idea what's going on in this storm that we're in right now. And so it's been very difficult. And for people who think there's nothing good can possibly come of this, well, this story and this book is for you guys as well. So it's for a lot of different people. It'll take you a short amount of time to read through it, and it's a great, great, great book. And so we'll read through the first chapter of Ruth together a little bit, and then we'll talk about it a little. Um, but every time I begin reading the book of Ruth, I always think, well, that first verse always catches me because it talks about how in the day of the judges, there was a famine in the land. So the book right before Ruth is Judges, so it encouraged me to go back and read Judges and see what was actually going on during this time to get kind of a historical uh, basis of what's happening. And so the very last verse of the book of Judges says that people, there was a famine in the land, there was no king to rule over Israel, and people were doing what was right in their own eyes. And I don't know about you, but whenever I think about people just doing what's right in their own eyes, I don't think of good things. I think of chaos. I think of mayhem. I think of, because I think about myself as a human being, and if I'm left to my own devices, for very long, if I'm left to just myself, without any kind of accountability, I can get pretty sour pretty quick. And so I imagine a, a people group who are dealing with no king and there's a famine in the land. I imagine that this is a very, very time of turmoil in this time. So that's where the book of Ruth picks up, is a time of famine, there's no king, and people are just doing whatever they think is right in their own eyes. So we'll read through just a little bit of Ruth here. And I'll try to read it quickly, but try to pay attention the best you can. If you have your Bible, it's Ruth chapter 1. It says, In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malan and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there, but Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, which I kept reading Oprah, which is not Oprah, it's Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth, and they lived there about ten years, and both Malan and Kilian died so that the woman was left without her husband, and she was left without her two sons as well. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So remember, there's a famine going on. So she set out from the place where she was at with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return to each of your houses. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of your husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, we will not return 
or no, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that you <clears throat> that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters. For it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord was stretched out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, See, your sister-in-law goes back to her people and the gods that she was from, and return with her. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. So the two of them went on and two, they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman said, Is this Naomi? She said to them, Do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, which means bitter, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has tested against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Noabite, her daughter-in-law, with her, and they returned to Mo from Moab, and they became to Bethlehem, where the barley harvest was just beginning. Let's pray together. Um, Father God, thank you for the book of Ruth. Thank you for this uh, great amount of people. Thank you for everything that you're doing in our life, Father. We appreciate um, your love for us. We appreciate what you do for us. And we just ask that today we hear something that will help us strengthen our faith, to help us uh, love you more, and to live closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, in a time of chaos, in a time of famine, in a time of all these different things happening, uncertainty, the man of the house, Elimelech, decides to take his family, uproot them from their city of Bethlehem, and move them to the country of Moab, which is a Protestant or pagan, not Protestant, pagan country. And in this time, the Israelites were very forbidden to do anything whatsoever with pagan people. Like, you're just not allowed to do anything with pagans. You can't be around them. You can't live in their land. You can't eat their food. You can't do all these different things. So, he, But he's doing what I think any of us would do. You know, if our families were faced with times of trial where we thought that there was a famine in the land and we couldn't provide for our families, we would do something different, something drastic maybe, that would help us to provide for them. I think any of us would do that. And I think he's just trying to make the best decision. You know, sometimes, we, and we can all relate to that, we've all worked that extra shift. You know, we've all worked overtime. We've done something to make sure the bills are paid. Make sure, or maybe you go out of town for several months of the year just to work really hard for your family to provide. We all make those sacrifices that means good things for your family. And so I think Elimelech is just doing what he thinks is best. And so, but anyway, he moves them to the country of Moab. He uproots them. He takes them there. And the Bible says, or this chapter says, that he remained there. It doesn't say how long they were there. <coughs> it doesn't say 
that they were there for a great amount of time. It just says that they remain there and then Elimelech passes away. So now Naomi is left in a new land, in a new country with her sons and her husband passes away. I can only imagine how she's feeling and I encourage you, if you're reading through the Bible, if you're reading through and you find characters and you come across different people in the Bible, I encourage you to try to be empathetic with how they're feeling in that time. I encourage you to do your best to put yourself in their shoes, try to think what they might be thinking, try to look at it from their perspective, what's going on historically. Just try to put yourself there as best you can. And I promise you, you'll have new insights through the Bible. You'll have new revelations through it. God will speak to you in different ways when you start to try to think like they were thinking. And I'm trying to put myself in Naomi's shoes, and she just lost her husband, and she's mourning a spouse, and how terrible that must have felt for her, and how she must have been thinking, man, we should have never came to Moab. God is punishing me. He's punishing us for coming here. We should have never been here. This is wrong. And so now she's starting to, probably starting to second guess, starting to doubt things, starting to feel terribly. She's mourning. I mean, if I think about what it feels like to lose a spouse, man, that's, 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 that's crazy. I don't want to have to think about that. And it, just in our own community, one of our, a lot of our friends lost his wife in a, in a tragic car accident. And I mean, I'm not ashamed to admit that I wept openly for him and his family. And it just wrecked my world, man. Because I, I don't know what that would even be like, and I don't want to imagine it. But to have to go through what that feels like, and to try to feel that emotion, try to feel that pain, and then begin to think what Naomi might be thinking in that moment. Where's God in this time? How can anything good come from this? You know, you start to think in those types of things. So I imagine she was feeling terrible. But she stays. She stays in Moab. She stays there and lives with her two sons. Her two sons marry pagan women. And they're there for ten more years. And then within the next ten years, her two sons pass away as well. <laughs> Distraught. I, I don't even know what another word that you could even say. To lose your husband and then within ten years lose both your sons in the same time. I, I don't know what that is. I can't even, I don't even know what... I don't know where to begin to try to empathize with that and how she must be feeling. And if when we're reading through the book of Ruth, that chapter of Ruth, in that first chapter there, she's saying that God has stretched out his hand against me. So she's thinking that God hates me. He's, he, he don't like me at all. I, he, he's dealt very bitterly with me. He, he, he don't like me at all. So now she has... Nothing. She's in a new country. She has no husband. Her two sons have passed. Now all she has is her two daughters-in-law. And she's like, I got to get back to where I know. I got to get back to Bethlehem where I know. I, I, I grew up there. I, I have to get back to my hometown where I know things. I know people. I can try to start doing something, building a life for myself, something. I have to get back there. So she decides to make the, the journey back to Bethlehem. And when she gets there, people were like shocked and surprised to see her. Like they're excited to see her. Is that, is that Naomi? Is that Naomi? And they all see her. 
And she's like, no, it's not Naomi. You call me Mara because God has dealt bitterly with me. He's, he hates me. He's terrible. And she goes on this very long lament of how God is against her and he's not for her and all these different things. And I find truth in that for myself because whenever I'm going through a terrible situation, I'm going through a terrible time, I tend to over-exaggerate the bad things in my life. Like, I could be having a great day and stub my toe or something and, like, my life sucks. Like, everything that, every, everything that ever bad has ever happened to me comes out in those frustrations, in those emotions. You know, man, I have all this going on, I have this going on, I have that going on. God hates me. This sucks. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's so easy for us to become so bitter so quickly and to think that, man, God must have something out for me. He must hate me. He must, you know, must be thinking all these different things. And so I find truth for myself in that. And I bet we could probably all relate to a time where we felt like that God is, where's he at in this situation? What's he doing? And a lot of times, we don't know what God's doing. We don't get to see a lot of times what God's doing. But there's a verse that I, is my favorite verse. It's always been my favorite verse in the Bible. And it's been my favorite verse because I've gone through a lot of tough things in my life. And I have to continuously remind myself that good things are going to happen. So I always read or recite Romans 8:28 to myself because good things, God works all things to good for those who love, love him or are called according to his purpose. Amen. And I know that to be true. And I have seen a lot of good come from bad situations in my life. I've seen things happen that wouldn't have happened unless I'd gone through a terrible situation. I, I, and so I can see good, but sometimes there's bad things that happen in our life and we don't see the good we don't see like Naomi she don't see what's going on in this time and it's cool because we can jump to the end of the story we can jump to the end of the book of Ruth and we can see what was going on what God was actually doing but Naomi can't see this so I don't blame her for feeling the way she's feeling I don't blame her for feeling like God hates her and for feeling like God's been bitter toward her I don't I, I don't blame her for that because she can't see the end. But we can. Luckily, we can go right to the end of the chapter. And I'll take you there now. And we'll just read really quickly just the, the last verses of the book of Ruth. The last verse says, And Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered David. You see, in the midst of all this stuff that's going on, and that probably doesn't make any sense to you whatsoever, but let me explain just a little bit. But in the midst of everything that's going on in Naomi's life, God is setting things up that she can't even understand, that she can't see. God is setting things up, making things happen, and he's always constantly working behind the scenes, doing something that they can't see. And so he takes Ruth out of Moab, brings her to Bethlehem, Ruth, in the book of Ruth, meets a man named Boaz. They have a, a child named Obed, and Obed has a child named Jesse. And then Jesse has a son named, who becomes King David. I don't know if you guys heard of that guy or not. But he's one of the greatest kings in Israel. He's just awesome, does amazing things. And from that lineage comes the Messiah, Jesus Christ. That's pretty, that's pretty, pretty important. Amen. But she can't see that. Naomi can't see that. Ruth don't see this. 
Her husband passed away too. She don't see the good coming from any of this. But through, we, luckily we can jump ahead. She couldn't. But we see that God was doing something that we could have never, ever even fathomed in a million years what was going on during this time. We couldn't have fathomed that. We couldn't imagine what God's doing big picture, big scale. We can't imagine that. We always see is right here, right? We always see what's right in front of us, what we're going through in that time, how we're feeling right now. We see right here. But God's looking leagues into the future. And he's looking far ahead into the future. He's looking, I'm setting this up so I can bring Jesus into this world so I can set the people free. Like he's thinking big picture stuff. And we're thinking small picture stuff. Amen. And so I encourage you today, as, a, as Christians, as people, I encourage you to look for the little slivers of hope, for the little things in your life that God is doing in your life, even in the midst of trouble, even in the midst of storms. Look for those things that Jesus is doing because there's always something. You see, in her lament, she even forgot that Ruth... She didn't mention that, hey, Ruth gave up her life in Moab and came along with me to Bethlehem. Like, she gave up everything, and she's dedicated to me, and she loves me, and she's going to be here to help me, and, and whatever. She, she didn't mention all that. All she could think was, man, my life sucks, and I can relate because I do the same thing. But I encourage you today, look for those little things. Look for the things that prove that God is working in your life, doing things that maybe you can't even see. And so if you've been in a situation where you felt like God can't be in this, and like our nation's going through some pretty crazy times right now. And for a lot of people looking around, they're thinking, where's God in all of this? But I believe that God is doing something. He's doing something that we can't fathom in our human minds. He has something planned that is so much greater, that's so much better, and it looks like chaos and mayhem to us right now, but to God, everything is being controlled. Amen. He's always in control. He hasn't lost control. It may seem like it, but he hasn't. It may seem like the walls are crumbling down around you, but they haven't. You know, God is doing something that you can't know, that you can't see. I wish we could jump to the end. I've prayed the prayer. I've got on my knees and said, God, why can't you just tell me what I'm going through? Why am I going through this time? Why am I dealing with this situation? What is going on? Like, reveal this to me. Show me. At least give me a sign like I'm doing the right things. Or do you want me to do something different? Is that why you're punishing me? Or, or like, I prayed the prayer. I've been in that situation. But I encourage you today to just remember that all things are working for your good. Amen. They will. And preach that to yourself every single day. And don't forget that truth and that promise that things are going to work for my good. They're going to work for my good. They will work for my good because I love Jesus. Amen. And if you're here today and you haven't made that decision to accept what Jesus did for you, then man, I, I today, what better day than today? Because, man, you can get a two-for-one deal today. You can accept this awesome thing that Jesus has done for you, and you can get baptized in the same day. That doesn't happen every day. Amen. If you set God first in your life, man, you'll see amazing things happen. I promise. I promise you will. Amen.
You'll still go through tough situations. You'll still go through bad times. Amen. But just that promise of knowing that, man, something's, something's happening here. And I can't see it, and I don't know it, but something's going on. And that's a promise that I want in my Amen. life. That's a promise that I need in my yes. life. So if you all will bow your heads, close your eyes. If there's someone here today that has not accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, I, man, today's the day. I so strongly encourage you to make that decision today. Because in a time where our world seems like it is crumbling, crashing, doing crazy, chaotic things, today's the day, man. That you can accept Jesus, have things begin working towards your good, because just a few verses back in Romans, it talks about how the mind that's set on the Spirit can only focus on things of the Spirit. It can't focus on God. It can't please God. But the mind that is set on the Spirit pleases God, and He loves that. So we need to set our mind to things of the Spirit. Look towards Jesus. Accept what He's done in your life. So if you're here today and that's you, Man, I just encourage you just to slip your hand up really quickly and just let people know or let yourself know. You, nobody's looking around. You're here. If you're here, you want to make a decision to follow Jesus, go ahead and slip your hand up and we'll pray with you. We'll all say a prayer together. Nobody's going to point you out. Nobody's going to call you out or nothing like that. Awesome. Awesome. Good. So if you're here today and you've been one of those people that have felt like you don't know where God's at in this storm, and you can't see the good for the bad, and I want you to raise your hand. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to. Amen. God sees those hands. He sees that. He knows what you're going through. He knows. I just want to say a really quick prayer for you and then we'll go have an awesome baptism and then we'll eat some delicious food for Jesus sake All right. Father in heaven we thank you so much for your blessings in our lives God Father we, we take this time this beautiful day just to accept what you've done for us on the cross Father that you died for our sins and we accept you Lord we make you the Lord of our life Father, we also pray and just ask you to be with and just love on the people in this congregation right now, Father, who raised their hand and said that they are going through terrible times where they can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Father, I pray for strengthening of their faith. I pray for strengthening of hope. I pray that you begin to show them, God, even if you can't show them the full picture, but I do I just pray that you begin to give them little glimpses, God. That you're working in their lives, that you're doing things that is going to work for their good. Let them know that you love them, God. Let them feel your love. Let them feel your presence right now in this very moment. Draw near to them, Father. Be close as we draw close to you. Father, we love you and we thank you for everything that you're doing. And we set our eyes to you in Jesus' name. Amen.